For today's episode, I'm going outside of my comfort zone. You'll find out why very soon. You are listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. As someone with political views that are left to center, I usually don't interview politically right of center guests on here. Today's episode is an exception to that, as the interview guest for this episode is Nikki Ballou, a conservative author whose less political works include the nonfiction books Finish Line Thinking, How to Think Like the Champion, and The Thought Leader's Journey, A Fable of Life. I'm here with Nikki Ballou. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Ballou, actually. Ballou, okay. Uh, who is uh, a who is an author of several books? Uh, Nikki, welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. I look forward to being here with you, my friend. Okay, now uh, normally I would give an open-end question, uh, asking you to introduce yourself, but I've learned that you uh, immigrated. That's immigrated with an E from Iran, what was that experience like for you, and where did you settle after fleeing Iran? Well, that's a great question, brother. Um, As you said, I'm originally an immigrant from Iran, and what happened was this. Um, I was was somebody who um, was a child at the time the Islamic Revolution happened, okay? And, um, you know, my father, my late father, he could see the writing on the wall and he could see this wasn't going to be a great place for him to have his uh, Christian family be raised anymore. You know what I'm trying to say here? Oh, yes. Yeah, the Iranian government is very uh, hostile to uh, anyone who's not a Muslim. Yeah. Yeah, um, and as a result, um, Dad decided to hustle us out of Iran, and I thank God every day that he did, because, you know, we got to leave tyranny and come to freedom. You know what I mean? And I know it's very fashionable these days among certain people in the West to say, oh my God, America, it's so oppressive, so racist, so sexist, and I just push back hard, and I go, are you kidding me? Go to Iran right now. They're killing young girls for, like, going outside with their hair uncovered. They're killing young girls for that. This is the most tolerant nation on the face of the earth. We should all be grateful that we get to be here. Yeah, America is is not perfect and does have a history of, uh, of bigotry, but it's far more tolerant than an oppressive regime like the one that currently runs Iran. Oh, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's not perfect, but it's better than anywhere else. <laughs> uh, feel free to tell us more about yourself. So, when we left Iran, we originally went to Greece. It took us a couple years, but then we were able to settle in Canada. And my father had been an entrepreneur, right? And, um, you know, he was a kind of man who just helped people. You know what I mean, brother? He, yeah. um, if you knew him and you were looking for a job, he'd get you a job. 
if you were trying to start a business, he'd help you start a business. Even if you were going to compete with him, he didn't care about any of that. All he wanted to do was help people. That was Napoleon Billup for you. And if you worked for him and you were trying to buy a car, a house, or an apartment, but you didn't quite have enough money, dad would make up the difference. That's the kind of man that he was. And you might think to yourself, wow, who does that? Well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou, for one. And then you might ask yourself, why would he do that? Well, number one, he was a Christian, and he believed that he'd been blessed by God. And as such, it was his duty as a Christian to um, share those blessings with others. But secondly, he did it because he could. He had the wherewithal financially to be able to help people. And I wanted to be like that, and that's why I became an entrepreneur. And I saw there were so many entrepreneurs out there that were good people, but they couldn't, they couldn't generate the results, the success that they were looking to generate. You know what I mean? Many of them just they weren't good business people. They didn't understand how to sell. They were nervous about selling. They wanted to like you know not come across like they were pushy or salesy or anything like that. And nobody likes to be sold. You don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold, right? And I saw this and I thought to myself, I want to help these people. What if I could help them reframe selling, you know, and this yucky feeling around it to serving, right? Because like I said, nobody wants to be sold, but everybody want, loves to buy and everybody likes to be served by a good person. So essentially, that's what, that's what we did, <laughs> you know? You... <laughs> I like how you kind of sound like uh, the professional wrestler Hulk Hogan when you say brother after some of your statements. <laughs> Thank you. Now, without spoiling too much of each of these two books, since you mentioned entrepreneurship, what are your books, Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion, and The Thought Leader's Journey, A Fable of Life, about? So look, finish line thinking, I mean, have you, have you ever noticed, you know, brother, what makes a champion a champion? What has one person be a champion and has another person who is as or more talented than they are become just an also-ran? Well, the research that I've done shows that it's all based on how a champion thinks. So champion engages in something I call finish line thinking, right? And what is finish line thinking? It's the science of how to think and win like a champion. And you know, this book is packed with a lot of insight and in my years of experience in working with Olympic champions, world record holders, business champions, and thought leaders. And it's backed by the research of people like Dr. Anders Ericsson, you know, of 10,000 Hours fame, and Dr. Angela Lee Duckworth, the author of the, the book Grit. Um, and this book lays out 13 principles of how to think you win like a champion. And what I like to say is these principles uh, will change your life if you take the time to learn and apply them. So that's what finish line thinking is all about, right? And um, thought leader's journey, a fable of life, you know, is uh, basically a story told in the form of a fable in the tradition of great writers like Og Mandino and Robin Sharma. And in it, I outline the secrets of how to become a sought after thought leader, how to grow your business by a quarter million to two million a year, how to live a life of impact and influence, how to win the respect of your peers, your family, your friends, and how to boost your self-belief. And that's what that book's about, in a nutshell. Okay, I'm going to ask a question that's a little bit, it's on my list of questions I've got here, but I'm going to ask uh, this one a little bit out of order than what I originally intended, and that's how do you define a thought leader? 
Well, that's such a good question, right? So the best way to define it is in contrast to an expert. You know what I mean? So an expert is someone who knows something, right? And there's a lot of experts out there. There are a dime a dozen. But a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. Thought leaders are rare and valuable, right? So when you're an expert, you're stuck in what I call the sea of sameness. And But when you're a thought leader, you're in what I call the oasis of differentiation. Now, those aren't original terms. I learned them from a friend of mine. But they're wonderful terms. And I think they describe the difference between the two really well. Experts need to grind it out to make any money, while thought leaders, thought leaders, people come after them. Now, some but not all people perceive self-help books. I don't know if you would consider Finish Line Thinking and the Thought Leader's Journey to be self-help books or not, but some people perceive self-help books at, as promoting get-rich-quick schemes and or other types of scams. How are your books different from any books out there that promote scams, and how can people avoid those you consider to be charlatan marketers? So look, um, <laughs> there are a lot of charlatan marketers out there, and that's a good point, but one of the points I make in both books this is not get rich quick. This is get rich slow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's get rich for sure if you follow this path. Get rich quick never works. Anybody who promises you they're going to make you a millionaire in six weeks or some crazy thing like that, they're full of crap. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you you've gotta you've gotta like read books and you know listen to your gut. I'm a big believer. Your gut's going to tell you if someone's full of crap or they're not. You know, and if you really take the time to listen to your gut, you'll know if you're speaking to somebody or reading the work of somebody worth paying attention to or not. Um, and charlatan marketers, they're really good at, you know, painting a picture. They're really good at uh, hitting on pain points, but they don't have a track record of delivering. They suck at that. And that's a way you can tell if someone's a charlatan marketer or not. You know, I can be a little story if you like about somebody that illustrates this. Go ahead. All right. So a few years ago, um, I met a woman um, who was in her mid to late fifties. Uh, she she was a lovely lady. She she's married. She had kids. Um, good marriage, but she was also a, uh, a coach. And she was really trying to get her work out there. And she hired guru after guru. And nothing she did worked. She spent $125,000 on these gurus. And she got zero return. You know what I'm saying, brother? Zero return and, on investment. Yeah, zero return on investment. And when she came to us, she, she knew who I was. Like, you know, we... we, we we ran in the same circles um, so there was a little bit of a um, of a connection there already but when we sat with her and we spoke with her she was in a place in her life where she was really looking for something to work and anyways long story short is she she agreed to come and allow us to help her but like she looked at me and she had this glint in her eye and she said Nikki I've been disappointed by so many people this better work 
And I just swallowed hard and I just said, yeah, it'll work, I promise. But I'm like, oh my God, we better, we better like work extra hard for her. And the first thing was we stopped her from spending all this money on like online marketing funnels and ads and all that kind of crap because she was throwing good money after bad because her message sucked. Sucks a technical term here, right? She didn't have a good message. So we helped her really get her message clear. And the message she, she had that worked for her was she was gonna help folks that were dealing with like major burnout and self-doubt issues to become successful again in business. Anyways, long story short is within like a couple of months, she went from making just $500 to $2,000 a month to making like $20,000 a month. And that was just because she got her message clean and she was working with some people who were telling her things that made sense and weren't just trying to sell her something and take her money. And that is what I believe, you know, is the difference between somebody who's the real deal and somebody who's not. That really sounds like you're... In a way, teaching work ethic. Sure, a little bit of work ethic, to be sure. But, I mean, it's not that she wasn't working hard. She was just working hard on the wrong things. Yeah. So she, she had to work hard on the right things. Get her message right, which she did. And then get in front of people, which she, you know, which she started to do in a bigger way. A lot of people in our industry of, of helping people, the helping professions, they're just afraid of going in front of people and asking for business. And like I said before, that's important to do. Like, you got to take the attention off, are they going to buy from me? Are they going to like me? You know, that's not where it needs to be. The attention needs to be on them. Like, that's someone's mother, someone's father, someone's brother, someone's sister, you know, someone's wife, someone's husband. That's someone who's, like, trying to make a difference for others. You know what I'm trying to say here, brother? Yeah. And it, because of that, you know, your job is to try to help them. Business isn't about money. It's about people. My father used to tell me that when I was a kid. And my mentor tells me now business isn't about numbers. It's about people. So put your attention on helping the person, the human being in front of you, and not on how much money you might make if you make the sale. And you're going to be great. Now, in addition to finish line thinking and the thought leader's journey, You've written political nonfiction works and a children's book from a conservative point of view that is much different than, than my own political beliefs. What are some of your more political works that you've written or co-written, and do you believe that it's important that people read political nonfiction works from authors of differing political ideologies? Well, the short answer to the last part of your question is, is yes, right? I think it's very important to um, speak to folks who are going to um, help increase uh, and expand your way of thinking. If you only uh, deal with an echo chamber, you're never going to grow. And, and what if your views are, are wrong or what if you don't have all the information? You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. You're right, I'm a conservative, 100%. But um, there was a time when I reflexively always uh, supported business on every side. Right now, I don't. Like, especially after this pandemic, when the drug companies try to force everybody in the world to take their vaccine, even though it wasn't really a vaccine, because, you know, I come from a medical family. Vaccines take seven years to properly create. 
this was like rushed into nine months. I was like thinking to myself, okay, maybe I don't trust business anymore. Maybe these guys don't have our best interest at heart. So I'm a lot more skeptical than I used to be. And, and a, a part of that thinking comes from people who don't think the way I normally think. You know what I mean? It's normally a pro-business conservative thinker. Now I'm still a conservative, but I'm not reflexively pro-business. In fact, if a company's a big company, I'm probably instantly thinking that they don't have my best interests at heart and I better be careful. So I think it's important for you to read books that challenge your way of thinking, challenge your point of view, and expand your mind. Um, and honestly, in the West, there was, a, there was a time where you respected other people's opinions when they were different than ours. And I think we need to go back to that. And those people that are trying to shut down voices they don't agree with, we need to be uh, adamantly opposed to what they're trying to do and stop them from doing that. Yeah, and I have, uh, in fact, received uh, the COVID vaccine, and uh, while uh, it seems like it has uh, made the uh, the COVID pandemic, because we're still in a COVID pandemic, but it's a controlled pandemic instead of an uncontrolled one, and uh, the COVID vaccine uh, was quite the miracle of science compared to, say, the polio vaccine and vaccines that were developed in the uh, mid to late 20th century, in that it, it was developed on a much more uh, expedited uh, time frame and really under emergency circumstances. Well, you know, um, I'm going to push back on that. I don't, I don't think you can call that a vaccine, even though they're trying to. A vaccine takes seven years to develop. You can't expedite the development of it. There are certain tests that need to go through. Uh, you need to see what the impact is going to be on people. They rush through a shot, like the flu shot. It's not a vaccine. It doesn't prevent people from catching COVID. Um, I know a lot of people that have had uh, this so-called vaccine who got COVID and didn't just get it once, got it multiple times. I mean, the current president of the United States has got COVID three times, even though he's had the, the, the shot and he's had four or five booster shots on top of that. So that's my thought on that. And, and, and as far as, you know, whether this was the right thing to do or not, I think you need to give people the right to make up their own mind about that. And the fact that the government and Pfizer and Moderna tried to push that down everybody's throats from conservative to liberal governments all over the world. They all, I believe, were, you know, under the sway uh, of these organizations. And, and, and I think it's terrible that they try to force people to take these shots. Um, there have been lots of people I know who took the shots and have had massive, horrible side effects. And I don't understand why somebody who is healthy and young, as an example, needs to be forced to take a shot like this. It's wrong to do that, in my opinion. Okay. Uh now, I am of the belief that the book writing industry represents both freedom of expression for the author and freedom of choice for the consumer. Do you agree or disagree with this belief? I agree wholeheartedly. Now, a lot of people on my side of the political spectrum have this... Uh, a trope about conservatives that the typical conservative isn't interested in reading books but you read a lot of books what types of genre what types and genres of books interest you the most well i love reading detective uh, fiction uh, a lot uh, crime fiction uh, and, and thriller fiction you know um, 
uh, authors from days gone by, people like John D. McDonald, Donald Westlake, Tom Clancy, James Michener, those folks I really love. I also love to read a lot of um, history and biography books. You know, um, I've read uh, Steve Jobs' biography, I've read Peter the Great's biography, I've read uh, General Patton's biography, and, you know, dozens and dozens of others. Um, uh, give me one moment, please, Apollo. Uh, and those books, I think, are great. Well, Nikki, uh, it's been wonderful to uh, interview you uh, and thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author Podcast. Brother, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on the show. Enjoyed the conversation very much. Since I'm the host of this podcast, I'll get the last word in if I want to. If you have not received the COVID-19 vaccine and can be vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you have received the COVID-19 vaccine and haven't, haven't gotten a booster yet, get boosted when it is your time to do so. When it's your time to get a booster shot, get boosted. I can only speak for my vaccination status, but I am vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19, and in my experience, vaccines work. With that being said, I thank Nikki for appearing on this podcast. Even though we don't agree on a lot of things, Nikki was a very insightful guest. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination even if I don't agree with it. Bye for now! You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at AuthorAAC and on Instagram at AACScribe. Copyright 2022, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.